first. My books are open again. I don't know when in the space-time continuum you'll be consuming this podcast, but I wanted to let you know in case it's in real time as we perceive it in this moment. But if you aren't listening to this podcast in real time and you still want to book a session with me, the best way to know my books are open is to just sign up for my mailing list. I send out a monthly newsletter that includes Moon Matters updates, transits for the entire month, and other fun facts. Literally, they have a fun fact section at the end. So if you're in real time, run, don't walk to my website and book your spot to meet with me. And if you're not listening in real time, then saunter or mosey, your choice, over to the website and sign up for my mailing list. It's good for your health. Another really cool thing that I now have available are pre-recorded lectures. Someone in the Discord mentioned not being able to make one of the live webinars and asked about maybe offering pre-recorded versions. So ask and you shall receive. I currently have my first audio lecture up on my website. It's on the Lunar Nodes. Each audio lecture is in the podcast style you know and love, and they include class materials like the PowerPoint slides, as well as a set of review questions for you to check your understanding of the material at the end of the class. I'm excited to be offering these, and I'll be making lots more of these classes in the future on stoicism, meditation, astrology, all kinds of things. The possibilities are endless, so I hope that you'll check it out, and I hope you enjoy them. If you want to support me or this podcast, you can do so by buying one of those lectures I just mentioned. You can become a patron of the podcast. You can book a session with me. You can buy a poem or a tarot reading, make a one-time donation, or even just sing my praises on your social media and to your friends and family. Spread the good words, say nice things, and honestly, just be cool. Thank you in advance for supporting me. I love you all dearly. Now let's get into today's episode. Today, we're going to be talking about solar and lunar returns. We're going to be going over what they are, what they mean, how to calculate them, and what their overall use is, like why even look at your solar or lunar return. We always hear of things like Saturn returns because they're ominous, but there's plenty of other returns to work with. You actually have a return for all the planets and your placements for the most part. For instance, when Carrie and I got married, he was in his Juno return and it was one degree away from being exactly conjunct his natal Juno. I was also having asteroid returns when we got married, both Ceres and Pallas. It was a big and beautiful time emotionally for both of us and it really opened up the feminine portion of my psyche in a lot of ways. So you can have returns with just about anything, and I definitely recommend taking a look at the asteroid goddesses, Lilith, and also Chiron when you're tracking returns. But we aren't talking about those today. That's a whole different episode. Today we're going to be exploring the returns of the luminaries, the sun and the moon. We should be familiar with solar returns because we know them as our birthday. And whether we realize it or not, we're familiar with lunar returns because they literally happen every single month. The moon moves through the zodiac signs in the span of a single month, so that means it passes over your natal moon once a month, and that period of time is called a lunar return. To keep things nice and organized, I'm going to go through the information for each return separately, and we're going to start with lunar returns. As I said, a lunar return is the point in the month where the moon comes back to the same degree of your natal moon. Lunar returns are super convenient to work with because they happen once a month. It's a great way to kind of dip your toes into understanding transiting energy and also just working with returns in general and seeing how that energy manifests, how it impacts you, and also how you 
relate to it via your natal chart. Our lunar returns speak to the energy of the month ahead and can give us an idea of the areas of our lives that are going to be impacted, busy, need attention, or that might have faded events occur. If you're into tarot at all, you can think of lunar returns as minor arcana cards and solar returns as major arcana cards. Lunar returns speak to a shorter period of time and will likely show energy that passes quickly or can be dealt with within the span of that monthly period. Solar returns speak to an entire year of life. So like the major arcana cards, the energy is bigger, heavier, and packs a lot more of a punch overall. If you're going to use both solar and lunar returns, I recommend printing out your solar return chart for the year and then comparing the energy of each lunar return chart to the solar return and see what you find. You're not going to overlay them in a bi-wheel or anything like that, but you're just going to look like, okay, the solar return chart is going to hold all the major themes and the lunar returns will show you the minor details and how those major themes kind of come to life in a month-to-month type way, and they're going to help refine your delineations overall. Let's talk about how you calculate a lunar return. We know what it is, so how exactly do we calculate it? If you've invested in astrology software, then it'll be easy as just bringing up your natal chart, clicking a few buttons, and casting the lunar return chart. If you don't have astrology software, there are plenty of free online generators that you can use to cast your lunar returns. As far as free online chart generation goes, I really only recommend the website AstroSeek. I will put a link to the free lunar returns generator in the show notes for you. I don't get any kickbacks for mentioning AstroSeek or anything like that. I just truly think that it's the most reliable online generator out there. And I know before I really took astrology seriously when I was just studying for fun and, you know, dipping my toes in things. It was the one that I always used consistently and it seemed to work the best for me. So I recommend that one just because that's what I used before I got my astrology software. So you're ready to cast your lunar return chart. You'll enter your birth data like usual because the calculation is based off your natal moon's placement. Then you'll need another piece of information. You'll need to add another location for the lunar return chart to be cast. This location is your current or updated location. A lot of people don't live in the same place they were born, so that means you need to use the updated location to correctly cast the lunar return chart. You want to use the most accurate location possible, but don't stress yourself out about it. If you know you're going to be at home during the time of your lunar return, then choose where you live now. If you cast the lunar return chart and it shows a date or time where you'll actually be out of town or in another place for some reason, maybe you're going to be at work or out of town for work, then simply edit the location and it'll give you the proper chart. Most of the time, location is negligible if you're roughly in the same area, but if you're going to be out of the country or another state during the time of your lunar return, Definitely update the location so you can get an accurate ascendant for the chart. We all know how important the ascendant is because it sets up the houses and just because it's the helm, the steering wheel. So make sure you get an accurate location, the most accurate location as possible for these return charts. In all, all you need is your regular birth info and then your updated location to be able to cast your lunar returns. Now that we know how to cast the chart, What do we do with it? Well, now we interpret the energy of the chart and look at all the key players over the next month. You'll want to look at the lunar return chart as a standalone chart 
And then also create a by wheel with your natal chart and see where the influences and energies fall for you. When we're creating by wheels with these charts, we're always keeping our natal chart in the center. So then the by wheel on the outside is the lunar return or the solar return, whatever other chart it is. But you always want to keep your natal chart in the center of the chart. And that will give you the proper interpretation because you're trying to see how it's interacting with you. You might think that the moon is a big factor in the lunar return chart, but honestly, it's kind of predictable. The moon's going to be at the same exact degree as your natal moon, hence lunar return. So the sign it's in won't be a mystery, but the house placement in the lunar return will be important because the ascendant will likely be different than your natal one. So again, very important to have the correct updated location when casting the return chart. The key players when looking at your lunar return chart are house of the moon, aspects with the moon, sign and ruler of the ascendant, perfection year ruler, master of the nativity, and planetary energies as a whole. You can get as in-depth or be as surface level as you want with this type of thing. I think you guys know my style by now and you know that I tend to not really care and have a come what may attitude towards trying to divine the future. Like just because I can doesn't mean I do or will. I personally tend to put more stock in investigating my solar returns because it's bigger, more broad scale energy, and I like to work with those bigger themes. But for people that want the nitty gritty, lunar returns, they'll absolutely give you that and they're great to work with in that way. So let's suss out these key players a little more. The house of the moon tells us where our emotions are going to reside over the next month, where our emotions are going to be returning to, so to speak. It's where we might become more sensitive, have intuitive feelings, or even just shed a few tears. It's really showing us the area of our life that our inner world will be focused on. The aspects with the moon are going to further refine our emotional landscape over the next month, and it would be good to look at aspects to the ascendant as well. Speaking of ascendant, the sign and ruler of the ascendant are super important because it not only sets up the rest of the chart, but it tells us the energy we're going to be cloaking ourselves in over the next month. The ascendant sign speaks to the themes of the lunar return. You'll want to take a look at where the ruler of the ascendant is in the lunar return chart because that further refines what we might be focused on or an area that will be super active in some way. I like to throw in perfection year ruler in these interpretations because a perfection year is an entire year. It's a long period of time. Seeing what the perfection year ruler is up to every month via the lunar return is a great way to gain insight to the overall meaning of your perfection year, but in those 12 little monthly snippets. So definitely see what your perfection year ruler is doing. And then last, master of the nativity. If you've been able to confidently figure out the master of your nativity on your own or you've had a natal consultation with me or someone else and they told you what it was, then you can absolutely add this planet to the mix. The ruler of our chart is in everything we do. It matters in everything. So when I look at return charts, election charts, or really any chart that has to do with me personally, I always take a glance at where the master is and see what aspects are going on, the house placement, the sign, and just see how the overarching purpose of my life is playing into the mix because that's what the master of your chart is. It's really that overarching purpose, that overarching agenda of your life. So I think it's important to always keep an eye on what uh, the master of the nativity is doing. 
You'll want to first look at all these influences in the lunar return chart as a standalone chart just on its own. And after you get that down, then it's time to overlay the lunar return chart with your natal chart. You should always look at both. I know there's some debate on what you should do, but I think it has merit to look at both the standalone lunar return chart and then the bi-wheel of your natal chart and the lunar return chart. So when you do this, when you create that bi-wheel, the moon should be in the exact same spot in the lunar return chart as your natal chart. And that's one of the reasons we check the standalone chart first, because otherwise the moon would just be in our natal position with no apparent meaning other than the natal context. The lunar return chart is the energy of a lunar month, but the bi-wheel interpretation is how we're going to interact with that energy. It's like synastry for our lunar month. The lunar return chart holds all the energy and it is its own thing, but the bi-wheel shows us how we're going to use that energy and interact with those faded events. The most important things for your bi-wheel interpretations will be to look where the lunar return's ascendant and the ruler of the ascendant fall in your natal chart. This will tell you what area of your life will be most important, what you'll be cloaking yourself in, and the overall lens that you'll be viewing the next month through. You'll also want to take a quick look at where just all the planets fall in your natal houses, because that's also going to give more information on where energy resides and events take place for you throughout the next month. I'm putting a lot of emphasis on the Ascendant and the ruler of the Ascendant and perfection your ruler, but honestly, just use your eyes. If you see that there's a ton of planetary energy in one or two houses, then you know that's important. Don't discount that just because it's not the ruler of the Ascendant or the Ascendant itself. This can all sound a little up in the clouds without having a chart to apply it to, so I'm going to go over an example now. I think solar and lunar returns are super personal, so it's hard to find celebrity examples for this one. So I'm just going to use my own most recent solar and lunar returns for the examples. My most recent lunar return was actually on Valentine's Day, which is super cute. So the energy of the return is still present at this moment in the space-time continuum. My lunar return chart has a Mars-ruled Scorpio ascendant, the ruler of the Ascendant is in the fourth house, and the moon is in the sixth house. Now, my perfection year ruler is the moon, and the master of my chart is Mars. So there's not a whole lot of extra information to glean from those two placements, from the perfection year ruler and the master of my chart, because they literally are the moon and Mars. I just know that maybe it doubles down on that energy. I could get into all the minute details and aspects, but I'm just going to name the important ones. The moon is conjunct Rahu and exactly sextile the sun in the lunar return chart. The ascendant is sextile Venus and square the sun. Another thing of note is that every single traditional planet is below the horizon line. This is where I say, just use your eyes. Just look at the chart for what it is sometimes and see what the energy is saying. And when I look at the chart, it's like, hey, literally every single planet is below the horizon line. So that's something to note. Clearly, I'm going to be going through some turbulent things this uh, month with my emotions because of that Rahu and Moon conjunction. 
I'll also probably feel like showing less of myself than I already do because of all the planets being below the horizon line and the ruler of the ascendant being in the fourth house. Family, home life, and privacy may be a top priority for me, which I feel that. I can tell I'm not one to give as much information as I normally would, and my emotions are a lot more chaotic than I would like them to be. It's a very brooding, uh, scorpionic month for me. And not in a bad way. Nothing's wrong. It's just like, ugh, I just feel a little more homebody-ish. And maybe it's just, you know, the end of winter. It's still really cold here and I just want to be outside and be warm. You know, there's just things that you, you, there's periods of time where you just be a little more introverted. And I feel that right now. One thing in the chart that is really ringing true is that I've definitely been health focused lately because I think I even mentioned in the last episode how I've been going through some random food allergy thing. I actually think it ended up that I'm allergic to oats, which I thought it was gluten, which I was praying to all the gods it was not gluten because I did not want that in my life. But I think it's actually oats that are giving me the problems. So having the moon be in my sixth house for the lunar return conjunct Rahu and then Chiron conjunct Rahu on the other side of him, I've been really kind of bummed about my eating habits and just kind of trying to find a new routine that works for me. I've also released new offerings that allow me to be a bit more of a hermit. Those audio lectures that I mentioned allow me to continue teaching and connecting with all of you, but without having to do videos or show my face. So I'm really feeling the hidden hermit nature of this lunar returns energy. Now, when I overlay the lunar return with my natal chart, I see the lunar returns ascendant falls in my second house and the ruler of the lunar returns ascendant is in my fifth house. So there's actually quite a bit of energy in my natal fifth house from the lunar return chart. So although my emotions have been chaotic, like I said, I've been taking the proper steps to remedy that. My emotions are in a little bit of upheaval, but it doesn't feel bad. I've been taking time for leisure and keeping up with self-care when I can. So that's helped to get my mind right and to keep me going while I try to figure out my new health and food routines. The Ascendant being in my second house definitely speaks to money and work. I've been really motivated to work lately, create offerings, opening my books again, and just focused on my career. So when it comes to your own lunar returns, feel free to get more in-depth with it. You can definitely look deeper into aspects and see what the energies are like there. I simply don't because it's not part of my worldview. I like seeing the big picture and going, okay, yeah, got it. I don't like to obsess or try to guess every little thing. So use these lunar returns as tools for information, but don't let them dictate everything you do. So now let's move on to solar returns. If lunar returns are when the moon returns to the same place in your natal chart, then solar returns are when the sun returns back to its natal position in your chart. These happen once a year, and sometimes people say your birthday is your solar return, but that's not always true. Your solar return can happen the day before or after your calendar birthday. Sometimes it does fall on the same day you were born, but don't get freaked out if a solar return chart shows a date that's a day off from your birthday. This can happen because we're calculating the exact degree of your natal sun placement. The sun is generally in the same degrees around the same time each year, but it's not always exact. So just know that your solar return chart can differ from your actual calendar birthday because we're calculating the degree of the sun, not the calendar day. Solar returns speak to a year's worth of energy and events. This is much more major arcana energy. 
what we see happen over the course of an entire year is going to typically be a lot heavier or impactful than what we see in a month. We can certainly have intense lunar returns, but their overall energy is always speaking towards the overarching events of the solar return chart. That's why it's a good idea to cast your solar return chart and then see how each month those major themes are being played out via the lunar returns. You can really use them in tandem. It's really fun to use them in tandem like that and be like, okay, these are my major themes. I wrote out all the major themes that I'm going to see. And then you see over the 12 months what the lunar returns have and how they're speaking to those themes. So we know that solar return charts will show us year-long energy and major themes that we'll be tangoing with over the next year. They can also show where more malefic events and energy will be concentrated, as well as where the benefic energy for the year will come from. It's a great way to see what's coming in a very broad-scale way, and I personally tend to look more at my solar return than lunar return, mostly because I'm too blasé to cast my lunar chart every month, and fate is going to fate whether I know what it's up to or not. It's all personal preference on which one you like using more, or if you want to use both. We calculate solar returns the same way we do lunar returns. We use our birth data as a starting point, plug in our updated or current location, and then cast the chart. You can use the same AstroSeq online generator, but just make sure you're casting for solar instead of lunar. For solar returns, if you're going to be somewhere for your birthday or end up taking a spontaneous trip, make sure you update the location. It's crucial the ascendant be correct in order for the solar return chart because we're looking at a year's worth of events and energy. Now we can begin to interpret the chart and suss out all the information it's holding about the next year of our lives. We'll do this by assessing the standalone chart as well as overlaying it with our natal chart and creating the bywill just like we did for the lunar returns. And just like with the lunar return where the moon is in the same position as our natal chart, the sun should be in the same position as our natal chart when it comes to our solar return. So when we look at the bywheel, the sun shouldn't be surprising at all. But when we assess the solar return chart on its own, that's when we can get some good information about the sun. The sign should always be the same, but the house placement will likely be different unless your solar return chart has the same ascendant as your natal chart. Now let's go over the key players for your solar return chart. You're going to want to look at moon sign, house, and aspects, house of the sun, and aspects, sign and ruler of the ascendant, perfection year ruler, master of the nativity ruler, planetary placements and patterns, and then aspects as a whole, but especially sun, moon, and ascendant and ruler of the ascendant. So this list is a little longer than the lunar return, and that's because this is a much bigger energy. You're looking at a whole year versus a single month, so it's good to try and fill in as much info as you want or can, again, if that's what you want. You can make this as general as just looking at where all the planets fall in each house, or and you don't have to create the bywheel or look at aspects. You don't have to do any of those things. But if you do those things, the chart will reveal more and you'll get more from it. It really comes down to what are you looking at this chart for? What are you trying to glean from it? So let's suss out those key aspects that we're looking at a little more. Moon sign, house, and aspects with the moon are huge in solar return charts. 
Unlike the lunar return, we don't know where the moon's going to be. It could be anywhere. So we're definitely going to want to take note of where the moon is, who it's talking to, and what realm of our lives our lunar landscape will be residing in. When it comes to the house of the sun and aspects with the sun, we should know what sign the sun is in because this is a solar return. But the house placement and definitely aspects to the sun will differ. Seeing the influences of the sun in the solar return chart is like seeing what changes and influences will be happening to our core throughout the next year. Because you can be any rising sign and you can be any moon sign, but the sun is still the core processor of your soul. So looking at what's going on in the solar return chart with the sun is like seeing what adjustments will be made to you on a soul level. The ruler of the ascendant, what house it falls in, and any major aspect should definitely be taken into account. This is going to be the energy that develops in the way in which you carry yourself, your soul, through the world. I'm a Sagittarius sun, but I carry that energy and exert it in a Libran way due to my rising. So the rising sign of your solar return chart will speak to energy that's influencing how you carry your soul and potentially new ways of understanding your soul expression via the sign ruler and aspects of the solar return chart ascendant. I love looking at the perfection year ruler and solar return charts because they're both timing techniques that deal with a year's worth of time. Wherever the ruler of the perfection year falls in your solar return chart can give information about how you'll go about the agenda of that perfection. Be sure to check aspects as well if you're really looking for perfection year information. Kind of like the perfection year, we have the master of the nativity. Like I said with lunar returns, the master of the nativity is in everything we do and I think it's always a good idea to see what it's up to. The condition and house placement of the master of the chart speaks to events that will push us further along in our life path, destiny, or purpose. Whatever you want to call it, it's going to push along that thing for you. The master of the chart's agenda is in all things, so seeing it in the solar return chart speaks to what the agenda is getting at and what you need to do this year to push yourself closer to your faded path. As with any chart or election return, make sure you're looking at overall themes and patterns. If one house is packed with planets, you know something big is going to happen in that area of your life throughout the next year. Interpretation doesn't always need to be complicated or messy. If the chart is speaking something, just simply listen. You'll want to look at all these influences in the solar return chart as a standalone chart first. After you get that down, then it's time to overlay the solar return chart with your natal chart. I really recommend doing some pen and paper action here, typing up some notes for these returns, especially the solar return, because there is so much energy in the solar return that can be really easy to lose track of, or you saw something, but then you forget where you saw it or how you delineated it. So write your findings down as you go when you're first interpreting your solar return chart. The sun should be in the same place as your natal sun when you create the bi-wheel, so there's not going to be any big surprises there. The solar return chart is energy of our solar year, but the bi-wheel interpretation is how we're going to interact with that energy throughout the year. It's like synastry, but with our solar return. The solar return chart holds all the energy and it's its own thing, but the bi-wheel shows us how we're going to use that energy and interact with those faded events. The most important things for your bi-wheel interpretations will be to look for where the solar returns ascendant and ruler of the ascendant fall in your natal chart. 
This will tell you what area of your life will be most important, what you'll be cloaking yourself in, and the overall lens that you'll be viewing the next solar year through. It's also really important to look at where the moon is going to be because that's going to be different in this chart, unlike how it was for your lunar return. And also, the ruler of your perfection year and master of the nativity, perfection year has always really rang true for me in my solar return chart, so definitely look at that one. And then also the master of my nativity, especially this past uh, solar return year, was just like spot on. So I really, really recommend looking at that as well. Honestly, everything has more weight when it comes to your solar return because it's a year's worth of time. I think my comparison of major arcana to minor arcana is really the best way I know how to explain it. The planets and influences in the lunar chart are minor. They come and go, but over time, they add up to the totality of a year, so they have impact, but it's not as forceful and in your face as a solar return. Because it's basically the culmination of all those lunar returns, but in one chart. This can all seem a little up in the clouds if you don't have a chart in front of you or you're not, you know, really sitting down with your chart and looking or have an example to think about. So let's look at my solar return chart. I'm going to be using last year's solar return because I'm only a couple months into this current solar return, so I can give a lot more interpretation if I use the previous one because I know what happened in my life. My previous year's solar return chart had a Leo ascendant, so we know the sun's going to be crucial. The moon was in the seventh house conjunct Saturn, my perfection year ruler was in the fifth house, and the ruler of my nativity, Mars, was in the eleventh house. When I first cast this chart back in 2022, I was like, well, I'm losing friends or ditching social media for good this time. And what happened? I absolutely did ditch social media once and for all. Having Mars, the master of my chart, be in the 11th house meant I was going to go through some malefic things with friends, social groups, networking, or the internet, and they were all going to be in the sake of, in the name of, you know, pushing me further along my faded path. That was the year I had a bunch of people impersonating my Instagram account and people actually got scammed out of money and I was feeling just so disheartened with social media as a whole and I finally just said fuck it once and for all. For some context on that, I've always gone through phases with social media so it wasn't weird for me to like come and go pretty often. But this one was like the official nail in the coffin. I've completely severed ties from it and will absolutely never return. I also went through some weirdness with my former boss, who I had seen as a really close friend, but it turned out that that wasn't the case. I won't get into details there, but just know that Mars in my 11th house of the solar return chart and being the master of my nativity, it really rang true that I needed to go through all those things. I needed to sever my relationships with those things in order to move further in my purpose. Now, this was also the solar year that my divorce became official and then I got remarried. Saturn being conjunct the moon in my seventh house was bringing those themes of marriage and relationships big time. The seventh house also has to do with business partners. So let's not forget that this was also the solar year that I quit my job as a scientist that I was at for the last decade. And then I became a full-time astrologer. So I was also going through hardships with business partners as well. Uranus and the Midheaven are both conjunct Rahu in the solar return chart. So my life path 
was just shifting immensely, whether it was through the master of the nativity being in the 11th house and being a Mars ruled thing, it's always a little intense, but then also looking at the midheaven in the solar return chart and just seeing the conjunction with Rahu and Uranus and knowing that that was going to cause life changes and shifts as well. I won't bore you with too in-depth of an interpretation, so let's move to the bi-wheel and see what we can glean there quick before wrapping up. The Solar Returns Lilith was exactly conjunct my Midheaven and Chiron. The Solar Returns Ascendant was conjunct my Jupiter. I was in my Mars Return as well. So lots of indications that I was going to be using this energy throughout the solar year in a way that changed my identity and the course of my life path. There was a lot of heaviness throughout the year. And it wasn't just from that Saturn-Moon conjunction in the solar return chart. It was heaviness, but there was so much action and movement. And that's because I was in a perfection year where the master of the nativity was activated. And it was my Mars return, who, again, Mars is the master of the nativity. So it was just a really big year. I knew that that year was going to be hard. And I knew that that year was going to bring so much change in my life. And yes, there was a lot of heaviness. But something that gave me a little glimmer of hope was, you know, the benefics. You have to look at the benefics in the solar return chart as well to see where your goodness is coming from. So something that gave me a lot of hope was that the solar returns Jupiter was in a really strong trine with my natal Chiron. I knew that no matter what I was going through throughout that solar year, there was going to be immense healing, immense goodness, and lots and lots of wisdom. When we cast these charts, we have to accept that we might see things we don't like. That doesn't mean we get to shy away from their interpretation or try to sugarcoat it and trick ourselves into thinking that it'll be something it's not. I wasn't looking at Mars in the 11th house of my solar return chart and being like, oh, maybe I'm going to meet a bunch of friends. Like maybe I'm just going to go through a bunch of friend groups and I'm going to zip, zip, zip around and be, you know, Mars and Gemini and just talk to a bunch of people. I wasn't thinking that because that's not what the signification is. The signification of Mars, especially in traditional astrology, is that it's loss, it slices, it dices, it severs, it separates things. So I knew that in that 11th house realm, something would happen. But instead of trying to evade it, at some point I just accepted it and I was like, yep, this is what I have to do to walk my life path. So we don't cast solar and lunar returns in the hopes that we can see something we want to see. We cast solar and lunar returns because we're agreeing to the terms and conditions of fate. We don't get to pick and choose what energy and events transpire, but we do get to choose how we react to them and utilize them. I hope that this was a helpful overview of solar and lunar returns. They're such a great way to get a glimpse of the year ahead or the month ahead. Like I said before, I'm not huge on trying to guess what fate has in store, but I do like to glance over my solar return chart and just see what's cooking for the year. However you decide to use them, I really hope this helps you navigate how to use them and gives you deeper insight into their usefulness. I hope it's a great starting point for your journey in looking into these types of charts. Now, go calculate some lunar returns, practice these techniques, have fun with it, and enjoy the process, because even when life is hard, even when our charts say, hey man, you're going to be going through something pretty tough right now, or hey, there's going to be something that goes on here that you might not like, it's still beautiful. If you want more astrological content before the next episode, consider signing up to become a patron of my work. I've got exclusive blog content, monthly lunar mini scopes with tarot advice, retrograde guides, and a discord waiting for you to join. 
You could also leave a super cute review on Spotify or iTunes, which I would be eternally grateful for. Head on over to my website, check it all out, and thank you in advance for supporting me. Until next time, later days. Thank you.